NSA, FBI. <laughs> if they have time to listen to two people trying to record a podcast, then I don't think that's tax dollar money well spent. You don't think there's an agent out there that's like, shh, hold on, they're about to talk about air fryers. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> air fryers. I'm Rachel, just moved to New York, and I'm furnishing my apartment, including my kitchen, for the very first time. I've always had roommates, so this is a unique opportunity for me to just try something on my own. I'm here with my friend Mason, who's helped me so much during this process, so. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Rachel. Hey, my name is Mason. I'm Rachel's friend. I like food. And I suppose I've just taken a really guilty pleasure in vicariously living through Rachel's new kitchen adventures and trying to help her figure out what things to buy and not buy and having an outlet for weird opinions about kitchen stuff, you know, like we all have. So hope you enjoy our ramblings and conversation about food and kitchen and life and trying to figure all the stuff out. So you've been buying a bunch of stuff for your kitchen recently. Yeah. What have you felt really good about in particular of the things you've gotten? Ooh, that's a good question. Of the things that I have bought, this one's hard because everything has a different usage. Mm -hmm. So it feels like it's not necessarily one that's better than the other. But I think honestly, having... A good colander is really important, which I know is kind of not even that big of a thing. Say more about that. I think it's very versatile. You can do a lot of things in terms of washing your vegetables. And I have this really nice one that is really cute. Not necessarily nice, but it's like cute. You can nest it with some of your mixing bowls. So I've been able to do a lot of things in terms of like cleaning my vegetables, but then also using it to like strain pasta when I bake, I'm pretty sure I'm going to use some of it for, for mixing bowls because it has a good depth to it. So that's been one that I've been using quite a lot recently with some of the preparation pieces for a meal. Mm-hmm. Other things, hmm. I think one thing that's been interesting for me is that as we've been traveling and living in different Airbnbs, you also get a sense of what you like and what you like about what other people have in their kitchens. Oh, so you, so you get to like try out these different points of view really on these different kitchens, different arrangements. Yes, exactly. Did you end up getting a toaster oven? So we ended up getting kind of a weird in-between if I'm going to be honest. Okay. We got an air fryer oven. So again, for me, I really wanted to prioritize getting a toaster oven, ideally a convection oven. And Kevin really wanted something that really will air fry well. Mm -hmm. And so after extensive research, we then started measuring out (laughs) how, how much space it would actually take in our kitchen. And We don't have a ton of counter space and oftentimes convection ovens do need a good amount of space. Yeah. 
That really stressed me out. What stressed you out? Air fryers. Air fryers stressed you out? Yes, because I think there's just so much marketing that happens mm. around the concept of an air fryer because a convection oven, like you have shared with me, is technically an air fryer. It can be an air fryer. But like certain appliances are only air fryers and they can't be like a toaster oven or I don't know, other things. That's right. Yeah. They're like a weird, tiny convection oven. For that one purpose. For that one thing. It's like, do you just, it's like a, it's like a French fry machine. I feel like if anyone, I feel like there are, maybe my goal is to just offend people who have strong opinions about air fryers. This is, this is my, my life mission. People but do have really strong feelings about it. I mean, I think that just that maybe that discomfort is like it feels kind of like like someone's trying to sell you something, right? Like like it's a weird cult, and everyone's like, "Oh man, have I told you about air fryers yet?" And you're like, "Yes, <laughs> yes, you have." They're not, yeah, in my mind, like they're not conceptually complicated appliances. So like it has to have a space to put things in, and it has to apply heat to the things inside of it. And like, if it can do those things and like you're, you're most of the way there. Yeah. You would think so, but people have such strong opinions about these things, reading the reviews, doing the research. <laughs> and it almost makes you wonder, do some of these not function in the way that they say they they function? Cause that just, you know, conceptually they should all be very similar. Yeah. I mean, the differences in my mind should be marginal. Yeah. But yeah, if you read the reviews, it's like, I, how does anything work? <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely got lost in those reviews. There's a category of things that I, I think of light bulbs as the canonical example of this phenomenon, where if you read light bulb reviews, as, you, as one does, you will get the impression that everyone is living in horrible, flickering darkness all the time. Yes. And I think the reason is, who writes a light bulb review yeah. other than when it breaks? Because <laughs> you're not like, yup, it it works. That's not yeah. interesting, right? Yeah, or that I love this light bulb so much that everyone needs to know about it's this. It's so beautiful. <laughs> the light is... Yeah. So I wonder if toaster ovens or these things maybe have similar properties where like it kind of just has to do the thing. And it's only when it doesn't that people have opinions about it. Yes. I think so too. I think I very much have grown up in the toaster oven camp and haven't really had convection ovens growing up. Or even the idea of an oven growing up is very unique to me because in Chinese cuisine, there's not a lot of things you use an oven for. Oh, that's true. That's a great point. Yeah. Like the traditional... I mean, if you go back a little bit, the traditional Chinese kitchen did not have an oven. Yeah. So because of that, this idea of cooking and using an oven wasn't really something I started to do until college or even post-college. So now that I'm an adult and (laughs) have started to do research on other ways to cook, it's been really fun to understand and, and, and do some research on what's out there. So we got a, a Zojirushi um, water <gasps> boiler. Ooh, You know, like the, the, like the thermos 
Like the ones that you just push down and water comes out. Yes. And it (laughs) it has like a reservoir in it, right? Like it keeps a bunch of hot water. So Elena drinks a lot of tea during the day. And so we've, we've sort of talked about having one for literally years like since we moved in together, it's always because I grew up, my family has one, like they've had yep. one for years too. But instead we've just had like a regular kettle. And so every time either of us wants hot water, we like boil the water and we finally got one. And it's just like, it's been a game changer. It's just like, why have we waited so long? It's so nice. <laughs> it's one of those appliances. I, I, I don't often see in homes besides like, my mom or like her i don't know I, I find that it's it's oftentimes in asian households where you'll find those oh yeah absolutely and i'm just like this is something we should always have but i just it, it's not it's not common like you don't really see it when you walk into a crate and barrel i would guess like western for lack of a better word like maybe non-asian households just drink a lot less hot water at least in my mind, I conceptualize that as a very distinctly, at least Chinese, if not like Asian thing. Yeah. My mom only drinks hot water. She doesn't believe in in cold water. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's also very common, right? Like, I mean, that was true for my parents growing up is like, it would be a really bad idea to drink water without boiling it. Yeah. Yeah. Same with rice cookers too. I mean, I think that's changed a little bit, but like, it's the kind of thing that seems like a very specialized appliance unless you live in a household that eats rice all the time. Yeah. I actually just got a rice cooker. Nice. And it's like tiny. Is it- I didn't we didn't want a big one because we we knew that we only eat rice like so often. Mm-hmm. So it's tiny. I think it only makes maybe two cups of rice. It's cute. Can I give you a tip? <laughs> yeah. Rice freezes beautifully, it turns out. Ooh. So Ooh. if you ever have leftovers, sometimes like we actually now we'll do this on purpose. We will like f- make extra rice and then yeah. freeze portions of it and you just microwave it and it comes back really nice. And you have, yeah. like sometimes you just want rice and it's not exactly a quick thing to make. Yeah. Um, so that's a good idea. Speaking of things that, seem like unitaskers from a particular point of view. I remember seeing on a blog, someone had invented this appliance called the Rotimatic. And it was like a very expensive, very complicated thing that automatically made roti, like these Indian flatbreads. And you put in like flour and water and roti come out. Like it does everything inside. It mixes the dough, it like cooks it, like it shapes it and cooks it. And I remember looking at this and like being very naive, very ignorant. I was like, oh gosh, like what a weird waste of money. It just felt like very strange to me. And then it took me a little bit to feel like, oh, this is this is a staple food. Like this is yeah. a rice cooker, <laughs> like yeah. to me, right? And, you know, I didn't realize how many, and again, I was very ignorant, right? How many households someone would make roti from scratch every day. And so this is transformative, a transformative appliance potentially. Yeah. But it was, I was so quick to assume that this was like, from my perspective, it seemed like this weird exotic thing, right? Mm-hmm. I bet there are a lot of those things, like even talking about the water boiler. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. 
it like, looks like a specialized this? appliance and from yeah. one perspective. Yeah. I bet there are a lot of things like that. But yeah, this idea of a air fryer is cool. But I'm also like, it feels like it only serves one purpose. At least some air fryers do. Yeah. And it also takes up so much space, which is my issue too. And if it's going to take up space, whether it's space in your cabinets or space in your countertop, it should have a function that you use either daily or, or something that really makes it worthwhile. Yeah, yeah. I, at some uh, point, I had these grand ambitions that I would make my own ice cream. I decided, yes, this is, this is a thing that I'm going to do with any regularity. So I bought an ice cream machine. And I think I've used it exactly once. Uh, but I'm, I, I can't even justify keeping it in one of the cabinets in the kitchen. Um, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, does it need to be there? Like I could put it even further away. And, you know, that's probably the death of all of my ice cream ambitions at that point. Is it in your dungeon? It's, it's still in that cabinet, but it's just like if, if it's real close, like if something came along, like that's probably the next thing that I would demote into like a utility closet. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I think right now we've been trying not to overbuy everything. I think one of our guiding principles in terms of purchasing things for a kitchen is that we should only buy what we need. Mm-hmm. And this is where I think you and I had a really good conversation about, uh, like, is a knife block really necessary? There are so many knives. You oftentimes <laughs> yeah. don't use all of them anyways. It takes up space on your countertop. Is it something that you really need? Yeah. And I would say, no, like, I, we are doing totally fine with the, the three or four knives that we have. Honestly, I think the knives are probably the best thing that we have in the kitchen right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a chef's knife, which is this really like Kevin was really much wanting this, this, this Japanese chef's knife. So we're like, yeah, you know, you're going to cook more. If this is going to inspire you to do more cooking, go ahead. Like, yeah, get, get what you want. Um, so because we've been doing a lot of, we've been trying to cook a little bit more. It has been fun. It adds like an extra bit of fun. When you mm-hmm. like cut something or you're preparing a meal and you're handling things with extra care because you are just so appreciative of the tool itself. Yeah. And the same I feel about the bread knife. I I know you're supposed to, I've recently learned this, that you're supposed to cut tomatoes with a, with a serrated or a scalloped knife. And I did it recently and I was like, wow, this makes all the difference. I'm glad that worked better for you. Yeah. I, yeah. I would imagine that a good bread knife would cut a tomato beautifully. Question for you. Do you cut your scallions with a knife or do you use scissors? Oh, I don't think I've ever used scissors for my scallions. Okay. Does I don't know. Someone taught me the. My friend who's uh, Korean-American, she uses scissors for a lot of different vegetables, mm-hmm. um, but... I thought it was just so brilliant to use it for scallions hmm. because I saw her do it and it's one pretty fast and pretty easy, but also you can do it over things 
as like you can do it over the dish that you're trying yeah, to. Okay. You don't need to like trying. get a cutting board and like, yeah, you don't need to get a cutting board. Um, Interesting. You use it to garnish certain things and you just do it on top of the dish that you're trying to garnish and you're like done. I'm like, wow. That's really interesting. I was skeptical until you mentioned the, the like directness of it. And then I can, I, for me, at least I could see that being useful. Yeah. Maybe not applicable to every situation, but I was like, Oh, that's a fun way to use scissors. I do think that scissors are more commonly used from my, my, my impression of Korean cooking is that it's like there's more scissor usage. Mm-hmm. Like I remember my first time at a Korean barbecue restaurant and then they like whipped out the scissors to cut the meat. And I was just like, what is happening? Yeah. I like it. It gives me a little extra dexterity that I didn't, that I can't do sometimes with a knife. So I'm all for it. It's cool. It feels, I don't know. It feels neat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Kind of satisfying. (laughs) Can I tell you my other adult purchase? Um, Yes. Recently, it's something so simple and kind of silly but I recently bought uh, like dishwashing gloves. Oh, which I know it's it's something that my mom used a lot growing up, and she used to tell me all the time that I shouldn't wash my dishes without wearing gloves, and you're gonna make your hands really uh, rough or pruny. And I'm just like, honestly, it's just water and soap bomb. I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so I really felt like. I was invincible growing up and I don't need these extra things like gloves, Mm -hmm. but because it's winter here, my hands have just been really dry. Even if I put lotion on every time I wash my hands. So it started to hurt when I would just wash my dishes. So I bought gloves and they're kind of a game changer for me because one, you can have the water going at any temperature (laughs) and it doesn't bother you at all. You don't, you don't have, have to do to, that, like, like find the right <laughs> that dance, yeah. and you're like, oh, uh, uh. yeah, you're like, oh, too hot, but like, I really needed to be hot to to get these <laughs> dishes. So, I don't know. It's kind of a game changer for me. And when you finish washing the dishes, your hands are dry because you had gloves on. <laughs> so, like, if someone were like, oh, Rachel's putting her gloves on, this is some serious dishwashing. Yes, yes. I should make sure that I have my space ready. I have the dishes I want to wash. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So I feel like there's almost this, I don't know, it adds something extra special whenever you're cooking, when you really love the tools that you're using. I do think there's a lot to the, I don't know, the the ritual of cooking, right? When you pick up a a knife that you chose for yourself, that it's probably, you know, technically more than you need, but it's something that you have a personal connection to one way or the other. And yeah. I think this is why it's like so nice to be able to have those things. It doesn't have to be everything, right? It can just be that one thing in your kitchen that you use most of the time that you are like, yes, this is my, this is my knife. You know, there, there are many others, but this one is mine. And yeah. Yeah. There's something really neat and special about it. And one thing that I haven't used yet that I'm really excited to use is my carbon steel pan. Mm-hmm. I am in the process of seasoning it. Um, so it's fun because it's almost like you have this little bit of prep work you need to do before you can actually use it. And you get to see it transform in those different stages as you season it, adding you know every layer. Yeah. 
And I'm sure there's a uniqueness to it because every layer adds a little something extra. And even the visual, it looks a little different with every coat of, yeah. of season A. So I haven't used it yet, but it's been fun preparing it for when I do use it. And it feels like I'm I'm working. I'm I didn't craft it, but I, I feel like I'm intentional about you are about, making uh, <laughs> about making yeah. and, and using it. You're a part of the process of making that thing. Um, and I'm excited for you. I think that to me, like that is a lot of the joy of cooking with both cast iron and carbon steel is like, there's a process to it. And actually carbon steel in particular is a little bit different than cast iron. So because carbon steel has a smoother surface, seasoning doesn't stick quite as strongly to it as cast iron. And so it kind of, it's a little bit more ephemeral than than cast iron like it kind of comes and goes and it's not like when people talk about cast iron seasoning it's sort of like oh you know i've built up all these layers over years and it's sort of static and with carbon steel like it will kind of just go with the flow sometimes and when you you wash it and you'll inevitably you'll wear down some of the seasoning or you might scratch it with something and i think that's part of the part of the process with it it just comes and goes like you'll never really damage it but it will um yeah it reflects all of the cooking you've done and all of the care that you've put into it um, yeah but it, i think it's also like maybe a lesson in letting go because it will never look perfect it will always look kind of yes. weird and patchy and <laughs> like there'll be moments when it looks beautiful and and moments when it doesn't so yeah and just cook and and see where it goes yeah honestly it's a lot of trial and error I think I tried initially when I started to buy a lot of things for the kitchen to get everything right, buy the right tools and buy the right thing. And honestly, I think if I were to do it all again, I would remind myself that I'm technically not in a rush. So taking the time to find the right pieces for yourself and and also it's okay when it's not the right pieces, you'll know for next time. Yeah, yeah. None of this is forever. You'll have opportunities to buy different things for one reason or another. And giving yourself that opportunity to try something and to figure out if it works for you. And if you really love it, great. I'm sure there's going to be hopefully a new iteration of that in the future. But if you don't love it, you'll have another opportunity to buy something else again. Yeah. Yeah. It's always just a point in time. Um reflects your understanding of that moment and like just trying your best. Yes. I feel that way too, especially now where there's a lot of, for example, I bought, this is going to sound silly, but I bought um, these plates and initially I was like, okay, like I'm kind of into this idea of having cream colored plates and we got them and I was like, yeah, they look fine. But I didn't love them. Mm-hmm. And then as I'm thinking through the the different color schemes and as we get more pieces, as we think about other parts of our, our dining table and our our apartment in general, I'm like, I don't love them. But it's also okay. There's other ways to tie it together and finding a new way to to 
pick a different color scheme or to um, today we actually walked around and saw these other plates that we saw that were not plates that we thought we would ever like, but they had bits of cream in it. Hmm. It was very abstract, but also kind of fun, but also something that we we had no idea we would like. But I was like, okay, maybe we might get these plates and we can layer on top of it. And it's a fun way to tie it together and potentially might make us like our, our old plates um, a little bit more. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. Sort of ties into the cream, but it's something a little new also. Yeah. But yeah, silly things like that where it's all it's all lesson learned. This yeah. is not the last time I have to buy things for a kitchen. So yeah, giving myself that space to to try different things and to try different brands of things that I've never used before. I think also talking to your friends. Very likely you have friends who love to cook, people who have parts of their kitchen that they really love and just getting their thoughts around some of that is really helpful. Yeah. Because honestly, like what better way of finding out than through people who've actually used them? Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, it's certainly good inspiration and you can kind of see what people click with and learn how they're using these things kind of in the real world. Yeah. And I think what something you said too made me think, you know, there are definitely things in our kitchen that are not, I don't know, the perfect special thing that I, you know, lovingly picked out. And it's a good reminder too that, you know, it's not, it's not a museum, right? Like it's a, it's a part <laughs> of your house and like we, we live our lives and it, both, um, both of us still have our plates from college. And it's funny cause they're the same line of like Corel, very durable. They're kind of like rounded squares. I yeah, think the, the, I know exactly what plates those are. I think are. everyone... <laughs> everyone has those. My mom also has those. <laughs> the term of art for that shape, I believe, is a squircle. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we... Um, <laughs> it's funny because we actually use them all the time. They're my like... They're just our daily plates. They're fine. Like they hold food. They're very yes. durable. Right. They hold food. That's what they're supposed That's to all do. They need. They, their job is to keep food separate from the table. Yes. They do that admirably. Yes. Uh, they don't need to also be aesthetically or visually appealing. That's extra. <laughs> yes. I mean, we have that set too many years later. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, I think it's always like you do your best to have the things you want. And then after that, you do your best to enjoy what you have. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. So true. Because, again, this is just a point in time. Yeah. And you'll have opportunities to get something else in the future. But also, it's okay if things aren't perfect. It's just a kitchen at the end of the day. It's just a kitchen. <laughs> it's going to get messy. <laughs> <laughs> 